Hey, welcome back to Godyssey. It's been a minute. The world has changed quite a bit. Hopefully the break has treated you well. You've had time to reflect and educate yourself on quite a bit in these most trying of times. We all need to break now and again, and I know I did, so I could focus on the world around us and how best to enact justice we all seek in it. Speaking of justice, let's get back into mythological slash historical things with use of titles in Irish myth cycles. By now you'll have noticed a lot of characters have titles. Balor is of the evil eye. Nawada is of the silver hand. There are multiple ways to translate these, but those are the most common and most popular ones. Lou, for his part, has multiple titles, one of which refers to him specifically and is represented across multiple languages where Lou appears elsewhere in the Celtic world. Just for as a note, Lu is one of the more common Celtic gods, so a common title isn't that surprising. The second is an actual position that Lu is said to have been the first of, a meaningful position that held a lot of political power in ancient and medieval Ireland. I don't want to reveal too much, so let's get into it. At long last, previously, on Godacy. Lu has fulfilled many facets of his great destiny in a short amount of time. He has avenged his father and laid low Turian and his sons. He has overthrown Brez Megalathan and placed Nuada of the Silverhand back upon the throne of Ireland. And while no one yet realizes it, Lu has retrieved the last tool they need to defeat the fearsome Fomorians, the Spear of Asal, a mighty ancestral weapon of his people. Yet before the final battle, Lu must do the one thing he was not trained for. Present himself to his people and finally join their ranks officially. Welcome to Godacy, Episode 16, Master of Many Skills. He strode up the hill, shining spear in hand, at the western approach to Tara. There came cries of joy and music from the top of the hill where stood the palace, newly restored to its former glory. To him, it looked the same as it always had, merely full of happy subjects and its true monarch. His lone obstacle was the smiling guards before him. Halt, traveler, that we may know your name and take your weapon, for today is a joyous day in the court of King Nawada. The guard was no older than Lou himself, a boy with hair like straw and a ruddy face, wearing the noble stripes of his clan, one Lou did not know. Hail, kinsman! I have come to present myself to the true king, Nawada of the Silver Hand. And what is your name, traveler? Though though you wear the colors of the clan of Dian Set, I know you not. He scoffed at this. Everyone knew who he was now. But this was protocol, pageantry played out for the sake of itself. It must be done so. That was the oath taken to the sovereign queens. He maintained his smile and did as he was bade. I am Lu, son of Kian of the house of Dian Set. I fostered among the Fearbolg and the Andana Shi of Tirnanog. The two guards looked at one another, impressed. The second, a taller lad, thinner and ganglier, already had an impressive black mustache, which he then stroked. And what skills do you have to offer the court of the Tuathadidanon, Lu, son of Kian? Lu had considered this question long. The Dagda had coached him on this. He was prepared. I wish to be the champion the war leader and master strategist of our people, at the leisure of his majesty. The two youths looked at one another before the shorter one spoke. Sadly, we already have that position filled already. Ogma is the champion of the court. The Dagda had prepared him for that too. 
Lou was beginning to suspect that the wily druid had something else up his massive sleeves. Then I would like to put my name forward for the position of the bard of the Tuatha Dé Danann, that our sagas and songs be sung with joy and sorrow in equal measure. The taller replied sadly, That position too is filled by Kopri, master of lyre and satire. They went through the many positions of the court. The chief druid, the game master, the master healer, the master of the horse, the sergeant-at-arms, the seneschal of Tara. Each position was filled by a noble soul of the children of Danu. One in all positions had been filled. Lou considered this. The grinning youths almost sad to have to give him the dilemma, let him make a fool of himself. Yet the Dagda had not prepared him, not sent him here late, on purpose, without cause. Indeed, Lou was beginning to realize what his time at Tirnanog had been for. You have many masters among your ranks. Many noble souls, men and women, warriors and poets, live among our folk. But each is a master of one skill and one alone. Do you have among you a single soul who is a master of many skills and all? Neither youth knew how to reply. After a moment, the taller lumbered off over the hill, then back down it again, grinning. Word has been given among the hosts of the children of Danu. You are to present yourself, for there are no masters of all skills here at Tara. Come, Lu son of Kian, and test your mettle. They allowed him to keep his weapon, for combat was a skill he claimed to have, and he must now prove it. The hall at Tara was packed, the smell of wood fires and cooked food aplenty, for the Dagda's cauldron of plenty was providing a feast the likes of which Tara had never seen before. Cooked lamb, pies of savory vegetable and cooked beef, many a corned meal. The smell of fresh brown bread was overpowering, and Lou longed to eat, eat like he had not eaten since his last time among the fairies of Tirnanog. But he could not, for the harp of Corpri hummed while Nuwada gave a lament. And we remember fallen Turian, our comrade, a leader among our souls. Without him, we could not hope to be here today, for it was Turian's cunning mind and alliance building that has reunited our people and returned me to the throne. Though he was not alone in this, it was his doing that we honor today. May he and his sons find peace in the halls of Tirnanog, where the noble feast for eternity. For eternity, came the reply of the crowd. Many souls drank, all but two, Lou and the daughter of Turian, dressed in the black of mourning. Storms no longer raged over the plains of Ireland, and clear skies shone. Yet her sour look made Lou think she sought to replace them. Nuada caught sight of him, but it was the Dagda Lou was looking at, offering him something of a quizzical glance. Beside the giant, there was a cache of weapons and relics the sons of Turian had retrieved ready to be distributed among the court, weapons that would buy goodwill. Presenting to the court, Lu, son of Kian, of the house of Dianset, here to offer his mastery of many skills to the court. A dramatic harpstrom accompanied the proclamation, and Nuada, already standing, outreached welcoming arms to Lu. Welcome, Lu, to my court. Your deeds are many, yet your tale is not yet known to us. Before you prove such a bold claim as mastery of all skills, what is your tale? Lou opened his mouth to speak, having been told to prepare for this, but it was the bard Kopri who spoke first, somewhere between speaking and song as his harp rang out. 
a union forbidden by fate, the product of Kian's vengeance. A son of no house, yet three was he, the son of Kian. Part Fearbolt, part Fay, part Tawatha Day. Aged from ten to seven and ten, without delay, he made war with his father's enemies, brought low the usurper king. He tricked Balor's bannermen and helped make the silver-laden hand. The master of oaths, he is one to boast. His name is Lu Mekian, slayer of Turian, trickster and friend, the brave son of Kian. Lu felt the warmth of his cheeks at the claim that he slew Turian and his sons, let alone the claim of trickster. I no more killed Turian than a storm kills the mountain in an avalanche bard. Corpus grin did not fade. And I am a pretty songbird. Tweet, tweet. Laughter roared among the hall, though there was a darkness to it. To claim that loose Luturian meant that the court knew. This bard was trouble, but the kind that Lu liked. Perhaps I can prove through demonstration, King Nawada, that Copri use his instrument of choice. Allow me chance to play his harp, and let us outperform one another. Copri seemed excited at this prospect. He switched to his lyre, carried on his person in his coat, and Lou acquainted himself with the harp of the court. It was a fine thing, green and gold like the Dagda's own, yet less refined than any of the silver strings of Tirna Nog's orchestra. Soon they were dueling riffing off of one another and playing in succinct harmony. Copri raised his voice in wordless song and Lou joined him, building off of one another, challenging the other, driving each to do better. Lou began to sweat. Copri was barely paying attention, it seemed, but Lou knew he was pushing the bard. Both felt a natural conclusion coming up. Both ended their duel on the same harmony. The court of the Tuatha Dí Danann had been moved to tears and cheered. Nawada reclined, sniffling. A brilliant display from both Bard and Braggart. But come, let us test your many skills. I propose a test of each of these. Games, challenges, diagnoses. Let each of the masters of this court put you to the test, and we shall see what to make of you. The first contest was a game of Fitchel against Medir, a game to test the other's strategy and patience. The board was covered in many stone pieces, with the objective being to master the other's pieces and gain control of the board. One game became two, two became four, as each sought to dominate the board. Lou felt his mind breaking as he pushed steps and steps ahead of Medir, who seemed himself to struggle to move that far ahead. In the end, Nuwata called it a draw, for the day only had so many hours and the two could not stop trying to top the other. As they watched, the children of Danu ate, sang, and made merry, enjoying the show but taking part in the revel, the likes of which they had not had in almost ten years. Ten long years of bondage, over now, and Lou knew that he was responsible for it. Nawada knew it too, as he watched every game silently. The Dagda kept his distance, keeping up with the bag of weapons and relics under his arm as if it were made of two or three sticks. As a healer, he competed against his grandfather, Dian Set, to diagnose the treatment of three elderly children of Danu, suffering from a strange wasting illness. Lu realized this had been planned. Nawada and the Dagda had thought ahead. He was growing nervous. What would his position be among the court? Would he displace one of the respected and noble souls of the Tuatha Dí Danann? Dian Set went with the traditional diagnose that the three were suffering from a pox contracted from their livestock, likely their sheep. Lou, inspired by his Aunt Ermid and Uncle Mick, 
went in a different direction. Not a pox, but an allergy to the leathers they wore. He created a bomb inspired by Airman's brilliance and applied it. Almost instantly, all three began to react, seeming in better spirits. Dean's set fumed, but ultimately Lou had to admit that they also had a pox, though lesser in symptoms than his grandfather had admitted. Next, he was tested against his aunt, Ermid, to see who could create the most effective bomb. Here, he could not challenge her in innovation of herbalism and went with a more traditional route. The bomb was meant to cure mild pains and was applied to two of the royal guards who had been unfairly attacked by members of their clan after Brez's removal. Both worked, though Lou had a feeling he only won because the guards gave him extra points to catch him up with his aunt, who took the tie in stride, unlike her father. He crafted poems against Angus, master of youth. Both brought the court to tears. He sang with Bridget while harvesting fire from the hearth, and the queen was thrilled at his mastery of maintaining it, both with song and with finesse. She took him aside after their tie and praised him. Ruidin is a mess without his father, but you are changing things. Look at this court, these people. They are alive with energy and song the likes of which I have not seen in my many years, Lou. Though your hand in Tyrion's fate has left a mark for many, the feud is over. Now you can lead our people. Father has a great many things planned for you, Lou. Well, let's hope I'm up for the task. She smiled, for the last task was now at hand. Against our champion Ogma, you will have three tasks. First, you will both throw stones. Whoever stone goes furthest is the winner. Next, you shall throw a spear, and the one that goes furthest is the winner. Finally, you will race to reclaim both spear and stone and return them here to Tara. Do you agree, Lou? The Dagda said this with a grin, his beefy arms crossed. Ogma was beefier still, filled out by the meals of the last few days with life returned to him. He was pensive, his face having a silence to it, but his arms were larger now, his body free of fat and covered in his blue-green ink, the Ogham script of his people alive and well on him. It seemed to move, giving Ogma extra strength. May the best man win, Ogma, Lou said, nervous before the court and his own stone. Ogma nodded, oiled and sweating. So I will. The crowd gave an ooh, laughing at the claim. You first, newcomer. Lou obliged, taking his stone. Tara had changed. His magic worked, for now the stone of fall seemed to allow it. Or perhaps it was merely the will of the king that such magic be allowed to work. Lou was uncertain. The whole hill was alive now, as if it were a living thing. Tara was what it was meant to be, the seat of the Irish crown. Filling every fiber of his being with magic, Lou took the stone, a boulder twice as wide as he and half as tall, and lifted it almost effortlessly. Grunting, he reared back and threw. The boulder sailed ten, almost twenty feet in the air as it arced, and flew twice as fast as any rock thrown should. Out past the druid grove, almost to the distant western hill, his boulder landed with an audible plunk. The crowd cheered, and Lou was proud of himself. Ogma did not wait, taking his boulder with effort, growling as his Ogham tattoos lit up. He twisted, turning and turning in place, before he flung it. If Lou's had sailed high and far, Ogma's was impossibly further, impossibly faster. It landed upon the next hill over, slamming into it and disrupting it, leaving a ditch as it rolled.
The crowd cheered, and Ogma threw his arms up in victory. The Dagda cheered them both, raising Ogma's arm in the air. The next contest will see our two would-be champions throw a spear and hit their mark. This is a game of precision, not strength. Ogma, you elected your opponent go first, and now it is your turn. Ogma nodded, taking his spear as the Dagda brought Lu his own, long since left as he did the mini-contest. The spear of Asal shone in the fading daylight, seeming to draw upon it. He felt its energy, felt the spear that was now his begin to react him, ready to take the day. But it was not yet its time. Ogma reared back, and his spear sailed well over the valley between the hills. Soon it landed, barely ten feet from the boulder, hitting where the rock had originally hit before it rolled. Another cheer, another growl by Ogma. Lou nodded and took aim, not at his boulder, but down the hill. Many laughed, and then Lou threw and spoke the word of power. Ibar. The blast of energy was instantaneous, the spear flying from him before bursting into flames, sailing down the hill and sending a blast of hot air all around them, hair and tunics and dresses flickering in the energy. Soon it reappeared past the village at the hill's base, went well into the field and slammed into the rock, sending shards visibly flying. The spear passed through it and then hit the ground behind it. The crowd and Ogma were stunned and said nothing. It was the Dagda with wild eyes who spoke the silence. Behold, the spear of us all. Return to us through the toils of the sons of Tyrion. It shall guarantee our victory. Lu knows the magic word to control it, and now we are masters of our own fate. The crowd was slow to react to this, but even Ogma spoke up, cheering at the existence of the spear. But the Dagda held its hand up, drawing silence. He then, with his other hand, held up a massive leg of lamb and tore into it, grease dripping down his hairy chest below. Let us not forget the final task. The two must retrieve both spear and stone and return here to the hill with it. Are both men ready? Lu smiled, having yet another trick up his sleeve. Agma already had assumed the sprinter's position, hands on the ground and legs reared back. Lu did the same, the magic swelling from within him. The Dagda played from his harp at his side, and Ogma shot off, charging down the hill. Lu continued to summon the magic, not only of the land beneath him, but of the bomb that Ermid had made for him, that he had smeared on his muscular calves. He charged, and with a single step, surpassed Ogma's mini, landing halfway to his boulder. The land beneath him curved, and he launched himself onward again landing just beside his stone and the spear of Asal with the second step. He lifted the stone and with a third and fourth step returned to the hill, just as Ogma passed Lu's spear. Lu placed his broken stone down and put his hand behind him. Athabar. Another blast and the spear sailed back to his hand just as Ogma lifted his stone and tucked his spear beneath his arm. Lu stood triumphant above, standing on his stone before the court of Nuada, who regarded him solemnly. Ruadin, beside him, gave him but a glare. For the boy blamed him for his father Brez losing his throne, Lu realized. The boy would be troublesome. When Ogma returned, it was among a chorus aimed at Lu, many calling him the champion of the court. 
Ogma did not seem disheartened at this, seeming to understand his loss and taking peace in it. Nawada, letting Ogma catch his breath, held up a silver hand. Silence fell among them. Ogma has served me well, both before my loss of hand and now in these past few days. I can think of no better champion. But we see Lu. He is clever, witty, strong, and cunning, inclined to magic and mental prowess. I give him a title. More than the son of Kian, you are Lulamfada, Lu of the Long Arm. Lu held aloft his spear, indicating the weapon that had won him the day would win him many days still. The Dagda laughed. No, boy, he does not give you that name for the spear you wield. Long arms has many meanings. Your long arms have skilled hands, for you are truly the master of many skills. Lu, feeling modest, spoke thusly. I have many skills yet to master. I am no druid, and I cannot write in the script of Ogham. The Dagda nodded. And so you shall learn those, these cool summer nights. But come, King Nawada, what are the results of the final test? Is Lu your champion? Nawada gave a pause, letting the silence grow pregnant within it. And then he spoke. He will not. The crowd, baffled, cried out in confusion and anguish, and were met with a silver hand again. Silence returned. Magic has won you this day, and magic I respect, but your role in this court is more than merely champion. You are something this court has never seen before. You are new to this court in more ways than merely appearance, for you shall win us our freedom. You are the savior of the Tuatha Dé Danann and represent the coming of a new order. Your role, therefore, shall be new as well. I name you the first Olav Arín, the great teacher of Ireland. You shall teach our youth, you shall make our plans, master, and keep our songs and traditions. You shall master all of our games, your wit will keep our lords of Ireland in check. Your poems will move the mountains of Kerry, shall cause the cliffs of Moher to quake, shall beat back the storms upon the sea and break great waves that threaten us. Do you accept this, Lu of the Long Arm? Lu grinned. I do, King Nuwada. I shall serve you as Olaf Erin. Nawada shook his head. Not I. You serve Era. Ogma stepped forward beside Lu. Long have I been your champion, Nawada, but I lost. For that, I must serve Lu. Lu, will you permit me to be your champion? Lu looked to Nawada, who gave him a look of surprising stoicism. He gave no clear answer. Lu needed to make his own. I accept, Ogma, that you serve me as I serve Ireland. The greater order is at stake here. You serve the court by serving Ireland. Let us work in tandem, great uncle. Lou took Ogma's beefy arm and lifted it aloft. The cheer was like thunder, a booming of many names. Lou Lamfada, Ogma, Nawada of the Silver Hand, the Dagda, Bridget, the Sovereign Queens. Then came real thunder, a breaking of their storm, as laughter boomed. So... The son of Kian yet lives. Were it not the orders of King Indek, I would burn this entire island. King Nuwada, know that it is Balor who speaks to you. Our chiefs and yours shall meet on the fields of Armagh in neutral ground. We shall bring peace. But that boy, my grandson, is not to attend or I shall kill you one and all. 
The entire court cowered. Lou alone stood firm against the voice, echoing from the northwest, deep in Ulster's coast. Three days hence, Nuada. Be present and bring him not. The thunder passed, and Bower's laughter faded into the hills. What joy rested there among his people died, and for the first time since his return to Ireland, did Lou feel fear in his heart. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by me, Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sydney Ager, master of many skills herself. Music by Scott Buckley, whose delightful library of Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au or check him out on Patreon. Additional sounds by Burr Records. Speaking of Patreon, we have one. You get access to early episodes and to me as well as notes, image posts, and research deep dives in the topics used to make this season. Want access to me but without all that other stuff? Look for us on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. Say hi, and then challenge me to a game of Fitchel. You will win, almost certainly. <laughs> Goddessy Updates Weekly. See you then.